spinning. You see the balls grinning. I'm loving these women. I let two get in. She tried to let the rest fit in. I'm like, no, love, that's forbidden. I ain't for squishing. That's a problem to the wheel well. Trust, I know them 20s real well. Now we coasting. Me two chicks and toasting. I turn up the volume, watch the bass, get them open. It is DFS MVP alongside our director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. I'm holding Kushner. TJ, before we get started, where did you dig up that old fossil? What what are we listening to here? That's that's classic. That's uh, heavy in my uh, high school rotation. When the last time from Clips from their 2002 album Lord Willen. That was uh, kind of that whole Clips, Neptunes, Pharrell when when they were really big in in the hip hop scene. That's when I was smack dab in the middle of high school. So this is a classic to me. Lord Willen, you never recycle the song again. Uh, one and done. <laughs> it's a classic, man. Well, if if you're unlike Holden and you actually like that song, you or you can like- go you can go to the Spotify playlist and search DFS MVP, and you'll find that song and all of our great intro music on that playlist. Or just go on my Twitter. I usually tweet it out uh, each week when I tweet out the podcast. Hey, this is the 16th, maybe 16th show we've done this year. I yeah. tell you, you're you're 15 and one, so that's not bad, dude. You're doing you're hit you. Nice hit rate, Ray. That's all I can tell you. It's better than my DFS record. All right. We got our week 11 plays, our recent trends. This is kind of cool. Real quick, I want to tease this, TJ, because you know you hit me up. You said, I, I think I got something interesting for us to talk about. The season, you know, we're so far into the season. Mm-hmm. It, looking at 11 weeks is nice, but we're going to do a little something different. Look at a, a smaller sample, right? Yeah, and it, just kind of breaking, like, the the way I think about it is, Head coaches in the NFL kind of break the NFL up or their season up into four quarters. So I think it's a good idea for us as whether it's it's daily fantasy or just fantasy football or football analysts in general to not just look at these season-long trends. You can actually get yourself into some trouble looking at season-long trends. So break it up. And uh, this won't be DFS-specific. This will just kind of be more of a uh, football trend-specific. So you can use it for lots of things. But obviously, it will pertain to a lot of our decisions in DFS in the coming weeks. All right, again, we got our DFS MVP promo code, 25% off. Uh, just go to our site, 444.com, uh, get the DFS package, type in DFS MVP, get 25% off. And we also got a rate and review T-shirt giveaway. Who's our winner this week? This week we got uh, maybe the best screen name of a winner we've had this year, Granola Joe. Mm. Uh, left us a really nice five-star review. I believe he said he he took down a GPP listening to the podcast, so that's exciting. We've had a, a lot of really great results from our listeners and our for four, and our 4 for 4 subscribers this year. Uh, so Granola Joe, hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I'll hook you up with the details on how to get that shirt. And if you are a listener and you want some 4 for 4 swag, Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review, and your name will automatically be entered into a drawing to win a T-shirt next week. Oh, and thanks to the boss man, Josh Moore, for sending me and my wife uh, four for four T-shirts. It was wonderful. There it is. I, I, all you got to do is ask. He's a nice guy. And Very oh, comfy. Speaking, speaking of next week, when we uh, reveal the, that winner next week, uh, next week is Thanksgiving, so everybody's traveling and, and hanging out with their families, and, and uh, we have multiple football slates, so we will record as uh, regularly scheduled. So we're still going to record Wednesday night. There's a chance that we might not release the podcast until Friday morning. Uh, so if it's not there Thursday morning, don't stress. You should be uh, hanging out with your family anyway. And uh, we will have full 
breakdown of the Thanksgiving slates on 4 for 4. I'll be doing a FanDuel's uh, breakdown. Pat James will be doing a DraftKings breakdown. So there will be content available to help you crush that Thanksgiving slate. All right. Uh, one more thing I want to let you know is that um, last week's slate, we built a lineup and we mm. ended up somewhere between like mm-hmm. one around 155, I want to say. It was a so good lineup. We finished in the money. Yeah, we finished in the money. Yeah, it was. It was a. I mean that that Blake Bortles Moncrief stack did very well. Bortles ended up uh, yes. top top four on DK, so that was a nice little uh, matchup to exploit. I believe we had Aaron Jones in there as well, mm-hmm. so that that helped us a lot. And I want to give a special shout out to uh, a friend of the podcast, Reed Saito. I believe is how you pronounce it from uh, Hawaii. He played last week and he cashed. And DFS, you can't play uh, real money games in Hawaii. You can only play free game so it was it was pretty cool to get a a shout out from somebody that obviously wants to play play dfs that can't i didn't even think about this when we started running the promotion uh that was pretty exciting so uh special special shout out to reed that contest did really well we had over 1000 entries in it last week and because it did so well uh we've actually upped the stakes this week so again we've teamed up with DraftKings at four for four we have a three thousand dollar this week it's a winner take all fantasy football contest exclusive to four for four fans uh, if you haven't played DFS before, you go on DraftKings, you draft your favorite players that you think are going to do well on Sunday, and you just have to stay under a predetermined salary cap. You get to watch your teams move up and down the leaderboard throughout the day. Finish in the top spot, you get $3,000. Again, winner take all, $3,000. To play, just go to the 444 Twitter page, at 444 Football. Click on the pinned tweet, and make sure you get those lineups locked. Uh, everything locks at 1 p.m. Eastern time on November 18th. The Eli, Saquon, OBJ, uh, Evan Engram stack is going to take home all the money this week. It's a four-man giant stack. It's going to win I th- everything. I think we might have have something to say about that later. It was a, it was a four-man stack that took down uh, the, the, the millionaire last week, and yeah. it was Mitch Trubisky who we were high on four for four, so uh, maybe uh, we're on to another big team stack to take it down this week. Mitchell, I got laughed off my uh, show on Sunday morning on a, for another website. They were laughing. Oh, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Look at what Mitchell does at home, dude, and he's got the Vikings. I know it's a very tough matchup this week. On pay- uh, man, he's at home. He's, he's kind of a stud there. All right, so, again, go to 4 for 4's uh, Twitter page, at 4 for 4 football, and then, boom, hit the link, get in the, get in the game here, play against us. So we got a few of our core plays at each position, and we're going to talk about the main slate. we got a theory segment, as we talked about. we got a lot of teams on by. Mm-hmm. And then the main slate's interesting this week because we got no Chiefs and Rams. You know, the two sexy teams. Um, prime time, baby. We're not going to see them this week. They're Monday night. I kind of like it because it takes – one of the big decisions, especially on FanDuel each week, has been uh, do you girly or do you not girly? And with him priced so much higher than everybody else, it, it is fun and it's a tough decision. It really makes you think, but also – uh, for some of the time, it, it, it brings the whole week down to that one decision. So six teams on by, no Chiefs, no Rams, a lot of those popular players not on the main slate. Only one team projected over 30 points, which I can't remember the last time if we've even seen that this year. And I think it's going to make for a really fun week because we don't have these two or three teams that everybody's zeroing in on. There are a couple games with some some pretty high totals, but... 
if we look especially at the passing games, we project ownership on four for four, and that that projected ownership for the the total team passing game at the top it's not as high as we've seen in the past week. So we're going to see ownership spread out uh, pretty thin, and that's going to lead to a lot of different lineups, which means a lot of fun this week. Well, tell me if I'm right here on DraftKings. You basically have to get one of the big running back studs. And FanDuel, I feel like you've got to get two, if not the three big running backs. Yeah, and that's this definitely week, what it feels like. I mean, this week it's going to be t- very, very difficult on FanDuel because you've got Kamara, mm-hmm. you've got Barkley, you've got Gordon, McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, and James Conner, and David Johnson to throw yeah. in there. So what was that, six, seven guys? And you've got to figure out, the guy, the two that are going to score the most out of all those, and then maybe the third guy on there. It's it, you, you say it's fun. I'm finding it extraordinarily challenging early in the week as we tape this thing here Wednesday night. We're creeping up on Thursday. We're getting later in the week. I'm finding it a little bit challenging. So we can yeah, get into that, that in a couple of minutes. But that's a that to me is the big challenge this week. Which stud running back do I plug in? Yeah, and that I mean, you talk about. We're obviously going to go through all the positions, but you talk about just the running backs this week. All the studs are in pretty good spots. Even James Conner against Jacksonville. Pittsburgh still favored. So the the fun in DFS is that we. The reason it's hard is not only do you have to choose between all these guys, but it's not that easy to get to all of them. So you have to find the value, and that's where that's where the the skill really comes through in DFS, where you have to really scrounge for these values. And then on top of it, it's like a it's it's like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson in the past, where they're both priced high. Now it's that on steroids. Now you have six of those guys you have to choose between. All right, let's start at quarterback. So w- without further ado, our our uh, nine-minute intro here. <laughs> it's uh, Cam Newton and Eli Manning at yeah. the top of your list. Cam's at 8,600, FanDuel, 6,200 DraftKings at Detroit, a defense that has just been gutted week after week after week. Mm-hmm. And Eli Manning for cash? I mean, 6,700 FanDuel, 5,200 DraftKings. Does this guy even Does this guy even average like 10 points per game at home maybe like 10.4 per, per home start he's taking on tampa bay though so give me a lowdown on cam I, I kind of feel like this is how it was a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. he's going up against tampa bay he had a nice game he had a nice game i don't he didn't knock the socks off but this week there's no question this guy has the best matchup and he's the top value yeah, and, and I mean, he had a nice game a couple weeks ago. I think 18 DraftKings points against Tampa Bay, and that was because uh, the Panthers, they ran they ran some pretty crazy plays. I think they had a couple trick plays. They had some runs to uh, to, to G- DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, I think, which went for touchdowns. So that obviously hurt Cam's total. But the, the inter- interesting thing about Cam last week was actually on, on Thursday night was his lowest point total of the season uh played on thursday night so it didn't impact dfs but only 15.7 DraftKings points on thursday night in a game that the panthers got blowed out but the reason that's interesting is because even though that was his season low it still gives him the third highest floor among all quarterbacks so only three quarterbacks have scored at least 15.7 DraftKings points cams low last week in every single game a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, he rushes for 40 yards a game but that's that's actually been a little down the last couple of weeks I, I wouldn't expect that to continue because that's one of the best weapons that the the Panthers have is cam running the ball uh, but you talked about Detroit man I I've been harping on this for 
I don't know, six weeks maybe. And, and people, I think, are just starting to notice how bad Detroit's pass defense is oh. because they, they got torched by Russell Wilson for three touchdowns uh, three weeks ago. Trubisky did it to him again last week. And a lot of it was because Detroit early in the season, they just weren't facing. I, I think they're still bottom in the league in pass attempts uh, that uh, faced and teams have been gashing them on the ground. So it was kind of hidden how bad their pass defense was. But if we look at efficiency, uh, they've allowed the most fantasy points per pass attempt. Again, uh, they, the Lions just haven't faced that many um, uh, pass attempts overall. And, not only Russell Wilson and Mitch Trubisky, but if we go back over the past five weeks, they've allowed three quarterbacks to throw for three touchdowns. So this sets up really nice for Cam Newton in a game that really could be a shootout both ways. Both of these defenses actually are poor in terms of pass efficiency, ranked in the bottom six in fantasy points per pass attempt allowed, and that's reflected in Vegas. Uh, this game has a point total over 51, and with the Panthers' favor, they're projected for almost 28 points. All right, now you're getting you get a little crazy here with me. Eli Manning's on this list, yeah. 6,700 FanDuel, 5,200 on DraftKings. Now, what this is going to do is going to open up some space for you to fit in a stud running back or yep. whatever you want to do. But, man, it's Eli freaking Manning. TJ, yeah. what are you doing here? I, I haven't um... – I haven't sold myself on him as a cash game play yet, okay. but he. But the way that the week sets up, like we talked about at the top of the show, in terms of these other players being expensive and you wanting to get them in, uh, and the way quarterback works, which we've talked about multiple times, is you want to save money at the quarterback position because scoring is so flat. And if you were listening last week or you were playing DraftKings last week, you probably, like you said on your other radio show, had a similar reaction to playing Blake Bortles last week. Uh, but there are a lot of indicators that this could go well for Manning. Now, the difference between Manning and Bortles is, one, New York's uh, offensive line is, is really bad at protecting the quarterback. So that could that could really throw a wrench in things because this obviously is a great matchup against Tampa Bay, but Eli isn't mobile at all. And Tampa Bay's actually, as, as bad as they've been on defense, they've actually been near the top of the league in terms of adjusted sack rate. So that lack of mobility, uh, that could really hurt Eli Manning. And that's why I'm a little wary about him as a cash play. But at the same time, he's one of these players that we have projected as a top three value on both sites. That's because of the matchup and that's because of his cheap salary. Tampa Bay ranks 20th or worse in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position. And that includes a 30th ranking against quarterbacks. And then this is, this is where this is kind of how I got on, on Bortles last week. Like where are we going to see an inflation and what does a team do that can benefit from that inflation and in scoring? So New York's 26 uh, points implied this week. That's almost a touchdown higher than their point per game average. And what do they do? They throw the ball. They throw at the third highest rate in the red zone, uh, the fourth highest rate in neutral game script over the last six weeks. So if they're going to score more and they throw a lot, that should mean more scoring for Eli. All right. So, uh, Eli Manning, I think definitely GPP viable mm -hmm. cash yeah. game. It's going to be tough to sell me on that one. But let me ask you about a guy that's uh, at least on Fandles in kind of the same ballpark. I think that Mariota is what maybe five hundred dollars, four hundred dollars more. He's at seventy. Yeah, seventy one on Fandle. Seventy one. So he's going to Indianapolis, yep. and 
it, I think the, his arm must be feeling better. You know, they, they had the bye, and since they had the bye, he went up against Dallas and had a nice game, and then against New England, extremely efficient. Would you consider pivoting to Marcus Mariota at 7,100 if you can't go to Eli Manning? Absolutely, because, I mean, that's the defense that we targeted, staying on, on the example of Blake Bortles last week. That's the defense that we targeted. They're the only defense besides Tampa Bay, them being the Colts, that rank 20th or worse in uh, fantasy points, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every single skill position. Obviously, the concern is is that, uh, Indi- um, I'm sorry, Tennessee doesn't throw quite as much as we would like but now they have a weapon in Corey Davis who Mariota can rely on who is has done very good coming out of the bye uh 10 10 targets in each of the games since coming uh out of the bye and Mariota unlike Eli if he's in a situation where he's under pressure he can scramble so he does give you a little bit more of a safety net and a little bit more flexibility if things do go awry so yeah absolutely I'm I'm on Mariota he's actually who I was struggling with, who I want to mention here, but you mentioned you're not sure if you can get on board with Eli as a cash game play. I'm still not sure I can, but I want to go back to an example that we brought up a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Gurley being a must play before his his price skyrocketed, and that was because getting to Gurley plus a scrub was those two players combined had a higher floor and a higher ceiling than uh, than uh, two mediocre players. So that's kind of the same logic here. If you could get to Eli and two stud running backs, maybe it's worth it just for the simple fact that even if Eli's floor is zero, you might be able to make the argument that those two stud running backs give you a higher floor and ceiling than some combination of three other players. Yeah, and again, if you were looking at Eli, say not 5,200 on DraftKings, Mariona's only 5,500 on yeah. DraftKings. So... Uh, I, I, the two main sites have not really bought into Mariota's performance to this point over the last two weeks. So that's something to keep in mind there. Maybe a little pivot in cash. If you're looking to save money at the quarterback position, then we move on to the running back position Mm -hmm. and we've already discussed this. This is, there's just a ton of stud running backs this week on the main slate. All, (laughs) I mean, all these guys have really good matchups, right? Barkley smash. Um, Kamara at home, Melvin Gordon, just there, there is no team that can stop Melvin Gordon right now. McCaffrey against that Detroit defense, Ezekiel Elliott might have the best, the best matchup of everybody. You see what Nick yep. Chubb did last week. And yeah. I like Nick Chubb, but Zeke has, he's taken him on this week. James Conner. He is, it doesn't matter what the matchup is with this guy. He has crushed everybody. And then there's David Johnson who you're going to get, uh, $300 less than Connor on FanDuel. You're going to get him. Well, what is that? About a thousand less, a thousand less than Kamara, and you move over there to to DraftKings as well. And David Johnson sitting there at seventy five hundred. You know, he's actually more expensive than Connor on DraftKings yeah. now. So DraftKings is is realizing that maybe Byron Leftwich has figured something out. Maybe Byron Leftwich has has saved Steve Wilk's job um, because finally David Johnson has been put in a position to succeed for the first time this year. And that's why I wanted to mention Johnson specifically because he's out of all those running backs we mentioned, uh, he's the only one priced below eight thousand dollars on FanDuel. Uh, he is priced uh, above Connor on DraftKings, but both of those guys are priced well below all of those other big running backs we mentioned. So if we if we try to split hairs, 
with those other stud running backs, we can do a, a whole hour podcast on that alone. But for for this instance, we need to mention David Johnson because he is so affordable relative to those guys at 7,900 on FanDuel, at 7,500 on DraftKings versus an Oakland team that I just want to play fantasy. I, I want my fantasy roster to be filled with people playing against Oakland. I don't care what position it is because this is a team that um, they're they're done for. And that the fact that this Arizona team that's been so bad this year is favored by five and a half tells you pretty much everything you need to know. And uh, they've been especially bad against running backs, the Raiders. They're allowing the fourth most total yards per game to opposing running backs. And you already went over what we've seen from David Johnson this week. It started two weeks ago with Byron Leftwich taking over. That was the first time all season that the Cardinals went over 300 total yards. Then they went into buy, got chance to regroup. And uh, I I would love to do a study on this because it's, it's pretty much anecdotal evidence, but it seems that every year we see some major shift for from a couple teams come out of the bye that really changes the course of a season, and it feels like this is going to be one of those major shifts coming out of the bye. Arizona finally getting David Johnson to work. Season high, 28 touches last week. Now, with that discounted price on FanDuel, he is our top dollar per touch value on the site. And the this kind of similar to what I talked about with the the Giants they're going to have an increased point total what do they do they pass well let's look at the Cardinals they have a slightly increased point total uh their home favorites what do they do when they have the chance to score they haven't had that many this year but when they have they've looked to David Johnson he's accounted for 66 percent of their opportunities inside the 10-yard line that's targets plus rushes so that's higher than Gurley obviously not as many touches because that's just a better offense, the Rams. But for perspective, it's it's a, a percentage point higher than the touch share inside the 10 that Gurley sees. So if Arizona gets in close, they're looking for DJ. All right. And shout out to uh, Jennifer Akins with uh, 4 for 4 because for the last five weeks, she's like, go trade for David Johnson. Yep. It's going to pay off at some point in time. And, and, and even before they got rid of McCoy, she's like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, it happened. Yeah, and... I had to I had to cheat off her last week because we, yeah. we write we write for uh, every week for Sports Illustrated we write a little roundtable and the question was who's your last minute trade for and uh, yeah I had to I had to steal off Jen and and, and go with DJ there <laughs> she had it man she's like the yeah. schedule's good hey and that's yep. something else we got to look at the schedule the schedule is uh, lightening up here for David Johnson let's move yeah. on to Dion uh, you got anything else on DJ sorry about that no no you nailed All it right. Dion Lewis let's get to him. Um, Chalky last week. He was mm-hmm. very affordable. He did not pay off. This week, 5,900 FanDuel, 4,800 DraftKings. And the guy, I mean, he's, he's still getting touches. The interesting thing, though, is that Derrick Henry, what does he have, like three touchdowns the last two weeks? <laughs> yeah. Derrick Henry is a little bit of a factor now. A little bit of a factor, but if we look at, at what this team's doing, uh, they've went back to Deion Lewis. So the, the touchdowns... Uh, Maybe that's variance. Maybe they're going to keep bringing Henry into Vulture. But what we've seen in the last two weeks, again, a team coming out of the bye and all of a sudden shifting to to what looks like maybe a new scheme or at least a a new plan of attack. Deion Lewis, 40% touch share in back-to-back games after that bye week. It's the first time since week one that Deion Lewis has accounted for at least 40% of Titans touches. Uh, you talked about the fact that he was chalk last week and didn't do well. These are spots that I love to go back to in GPPs because the public owned him. He didn't do well, and now they're sour. 
He's in a good spot against a Colts defense that ranks 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, I, I don't think his ownership will be as depressed as we usually see in this spot for the simple fact that we don't have that many values at running back. Deion Lewis is 5,900 on Fandle, 4,800 on DraftKings, and we just don't have that many other options to, to open up salary. So his ownership will be probably relatively high, especially on DraftKings, but I think it'll still be a little bit lower because of last week than it might be if we just put him in this spot in a vacuum. Yeah, I mean, Alex Collins is kind of in the, the same boat there. and yeah. Baltimore's coming off a bye. The question is, what's his workload going to be like? Cincinnati is just a disaster defensively. Yeah. If Flacco doesn't play, that kind of throws a wrench in things. We, we, we have to wait and see. I mean, it, not that he's good or that, that you don't want Jackson or, or um, they're even talking about RG3, RG3. And starting, but uh, it just kind of makes you – does Baltimore uh, kind of tone down the offense if Flacco's not in there? Well – you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. So I, I got to take a left-hand turn here for, real quick. If Lamar Jackson or Robert Griffin III have to start, right? You're talking about a $6,300 quarterback and Griffin. Yeah. And I think Jackson, they did a good job on FanDuel pricing him up to 7 k mm-hmm. And then you look at it on DraftKings, too, and Robert Griffin III at $4,700 for a starting quarterback. Yeah, And then Jackson, again, uh, he's at $4,700. So DraftKings, I mean, they're dirt cheap there. Can you make an argument to go with one of those guys in your cash game to open everything else up, thinking that, hey, you know, if you're going to go Eli Manning and the possibility of getting 10 points, maybe you can get 10 points for even lesser cost with Robert mm-hmm. Griffin the third. Yeah, the, the, the only way I would end up playing them in cash is if we get some kind of clarity on how Baltimore wants to run this offense because the fear is going to be if RG three's in there, that all of a sudden they have a increased number of packages for Lamar Jackson. And now we have this college offense mm. where they're 50, 50 split uh, at quarterback. And obviously that's not something you want. So if I heard something definitive, yes, otherwise I'd be a little hesitant. So fade, cause you're not going to hear anything definitive. And that's a great exactly, point to bring right. up. I mean, if Griffin's out there, why not throw Jackson out there? If mm-hmm. Jackson out there, why not throw Griffin out there? Yeah. All right. So that's the running back. Um, conversation we move on to the wide receiver same guy uh in the spot last week and we'll start with him again this week michael thomas 8800 fanduel 8800 DraftKings, taking on the philadelphia eagles and he is the top value on both sites at 8800 every once in a while um I, it probably happens once or twice a year you just get into these spots where you just you just ride these players until their price gets unaffordable uh, Michael Thomas is still relatively affordable, priced under $9,000. Obviously, he's a stud, so he's going to be the most expensive player at his position, but you can still fit him in if you like. Um, he saw a little dip in, in workload when Ingram came back, and then all of a sudden he re-exploded to what we saw early in the year. Over the past month, he's seen 33% of the Saints' targets, and if this Philadelphia secondary was healthy... I'd be a little bit worried about how they've played against the slot this year, but all of a sudden they're decimated. They already rank 27th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Now, with Ronald Darby on IR, they might be down three starters in their secondary in a game where the Saints are are the only offense uh, in the main slate projected for over 30 points. Michael Thomas is a red zone monster for this team. 20 targets in the red zone. So uh, if if you're going to pay up, 
in especially in cash, it's got to be Michael Thomas. All right, so there's uh, the big name at the top, and then there's Keenan Allen, and he's seventy six hundred Fanduel, sixty seven hundred DraftKings, taking on Denver. And I mean, it just goes back to this: it's touchdown equity. When is he going to get in the end zone? Mm-hmm. I mean, every every indicator says go Keenan Allen every single week because he's getting the volume. He's getting it. He's getting it. He just needs to he needs to find the end zone on Fanduel and in DraftKings. I mean, it's kind of a layup at sixty seven hundred. Yeah, we. this is kind of a microcosm about what we're going to talk about in our theory section in terms of looking for these trends uh, in in smaller windows and instead of just looking at season-long numbers. If you look at his season-long numbers, target share and, and uh, targets per game, they're okay, but they're not great. You wouldn't, if you compared it to his salary, it would look like he's priced probably where he's supposed to be. Uh, but if you look at what the Chargers have been doing of late, they've been throwing a lot more. Uh, they they went from one of the most run-heavy teams in the first half of the season to now over the past five weeks one of the most pass-heavy teams, and that's coincided with a huge uptick in targets for Keenan Allen. He has a fourth-highest target share over the last month, accounting for uh, 31% of, of their targets. And he plays primarily in the slot, and this might be a spot where uh, – you, you say Chris Harris is their slot corner for Denver, and you might want to avoid that. But as a team, Denver has been just okay versus slot because Chris Harris isn't the if, – if a team plays multiple slot receivers or if they move, move down to safety, Chris Harris isn't accounting for all of those snaps in the slot. So with Keenan Allen's volume, with how much um, – how much he won't necessarily be on Chris Harris every single snap, I think he's, he's a fine option, and you're getting a, a – a cheap way or without going with a different quarterback without rostering Philip Rivers you're tying yourself to Philip Rivers who I would argue has been the most consistent quarterback this season maybe the best quarterback this season you love yourself some Phil Rivers I do future Hall of Famers Phil uh Hall of Famer Phil Rivers I'm telling you it's gonna I was happen. tempted I was tempted to bet uh Chargers plus 1200 to win the Super Bowl today oh depends on how much you're putting down on that plus 1200 <laughs> that's not that's well, that's a hot team right there, man. Yeah, it is. You know, I could see the AFC at the very least, maybe making a run through the AFC. All right, let's get back to the uh, the wide receiver position. So not only do you throw Eli Manning on this uh, possible cash game list, two Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I, l- I love the second pick too. I like both the Arizona Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald, all right? First of all, they're playing Oakland. So it's kind of like, you know, I tell you, I do a lot of survivor pool uh, stuff. This is what you do in survivor pool. Target the worst teams every mm-hmm. single week. Well, target the Oakland Raiders. Okay. <laughs> and that's, that's what we're doing again with Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And, and Fitz is interesting because, well, he's always interesting because he's been doing it for so long and so consistently, he's never a sexy play. So he's not going to, you're not going to wow anybody that playing him. Uh, Christian Kirk's been ascending a little bit in this offense. So some people might want to go that route, but Fitzgerald is still the primary target in this, in this offense, 25% target share over the season. Over the last month, he has the eighth highest target share in the league. And when I talked about David Johnson's presence inside the 10 and inside the red zone, if they're not looking to David Johnson, they're looking to Larry Fitzgerald. He has a 30% red zone target share this year. And again, going back to those specific matchups, Oakland's bad all around. They're especially bad in the slot as a team. They've allowed the third most fantasy points per target to slot receivers. Uh, as a cornerback, Leon Hall, they're 
slot corner has allowed the third most yards per target and we know that Fitzgerald is a primary slot guy so that is a, a great matchup and uh, I mean if, if you're going to attack the Raiders down the middle especially with a rookie quarterback he doesn't have to make those those long tough throws just give it to Fitz easy short and just uh, just grind away against this defense. You know, I wanted to go back to Baltimore for one second because um, just scanning through the prices earlier in the week and I saw Willie Sneed was sitting there and Willie Sneed, then he pops up on Hermsmeyer's air yards again. And John Brown is the guy everybody will bring up. But this quarterback situation there in Baltimore, it is so iffy right now. I feel Mm -hmm. like Willie Sneed would be a terrific cash game play. Um I actually on both sites if you need some salary relief, but I'm I'm having a hard time going with him too because of the quarterback situation. I mean, it's just simple as that. If Flacco's in there, I will feel more comfortable with Willie Sneed this week. And my question for you would be, would you trust Sneed or any of the Baltimore pass cashers in cash if Flacco's in the lineup? Well, let me just say this about the air yards by low model, Herms Myers article. You've pretty much been able to close your eyes and plug those plays in the last few weeks and they've just been they've been going crazy i mean if you didn't read that uh who would have who would have thought to play moncrief and moncrief goes out and, and scores 80 yard touchdown has a huge game uh and and he's one percent owned in in gpps uh but to answer your question it's it's pretty tough because even though sneed has had that opportunity recently we often see we see it more so with with rookie quarterbacks that build a rapport with like other rookie receivers and in, in preseason and training camp that when when they come in those are the guys that get the bump uh, in target share but f- f- no matter the situation when a new quarterback comes in there's a pretty big question mark on how those targets are going to to be spread out um so i'd be again kind of similar answer not not to cop out but uh unless we get some kind of clear indication of of what's going to happen quarterbacks obviously such an essential position it's really hard to be able to confidently predict where that ball is going to go yep no doubt about that and and if Flacco's in there I still have a little bit of hesitation as to whether or not he can even finish the game with you know more more injury issues for that man Joe Flacco okay tight end position this I mean this is it's it's the big two Right. It's mm-hmm. Ertz and it's Olsen. And I do want to just circle back real quick. My James O'Shaughnessy play last mm-hmm. week because he was min price. Mm-hmm. It didn't kill me. You know, exactly. Five yeah, it catches did. for 46 yep. yards, seven it points, 4,000. I mean, it opened up the rest of the South. I'm just going to throw him out there again. Pittsburgh stinks against tight end. So if you want to, if you just want to throw a dart at the wall and hope that O'Shaughnessy doesn't lay a goose egg, I guess that's one way that you can go. But it's uh, paying up for tight end this week might be the way to go in cash. Well, let let me before we get into to the guys I have written down, let's actually touch on on that point because he didn't kill you, which is a good point because if you are punting tight end, you're you're if you get a touchdown, that's obviously gravy. You're you're sitting pretty. But the point of t- punting tight end is you're rostering a player at an extremely volatile position where we just don't have any depth at the position so if you get anything out of them you're sitting not only are you sitting pretty but you're the point that we're really trying to make is you're opening up salary to roster a bunch of these studs so go back to the same point that we talked about earlier uh you are going to be able to roster an extra stud and that's going to be better than not punting tight end rostering two middle middling players and 
I don't even know if Pittsburgh is horrible against tight ends. I, I don't think they're good, obviously. They, they don't have Shazier, but also their, their pass rush is just so intimidating that they're forcing these quarterbacks to use the short passing game, which often correlates with an uptick in tight end targets. So, I mean, we saw Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst, who are you know, and you're going to write home about, but they combined for eight targets a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Austin Hooper saw 12 targets against this team, uh, eight targets out of OJ Howard against his defense, seven out of CJ uh, Zoma. And I, I think it has a lot to do with that pass rush. So why wouldn't we see that again this week with O'Shaughnessy who has six targets in the back-to-back games? Yeah. And, and the Steelers are 21st in adjusted fantasy points against mm-hmm. uh, the tight end position. So again, I'm just throwing them out there. I will, they're, they're I, he's in my cash game consideration um, on FanDuel for the sole fact that I got to figure out a way to, start, to to get at least two of the big running backs, if not the three big running backs, three of the big running backs. But you've got two guys on the list here that, I mean, Zach Ertz is now performing at a back-end wide receiver one level. That's mm-hmm. how great this guy has been week in and week out. And Greg Olson miraculously looked like his career was over. He's back, and he's got – a matchup that you could dream about. So why don't you just take the ball and run with it on Ertz and Olsen? We've talked a lot about not paying up for tight end, and it's it's not because these tight ends can't hit their value, which obviously Zach Ertz can. The problem is, unlike wide receiver, you're, you only have one shot at tight end. So even if you pay up for, for one wide receiver, you could still get two cheap guys. If you pay up one tight end, that's your only shot to do it, and then you still have to pay for for these other positions. But with all that being said, you hit the nail on the head. Ertz is his 11-plus targets per game, fifth-most red zone targets in the league, at 7,600 on FanDuel, 6,600 on DraftKings. He's getting wide receiver one volume at a wide receiver two price. So if you just look at this thing in a vacuum, he is an insane value. Philadelphia is going to have to throw to keep up with New Orleans as nine-point underdogs in the Superdome. And Philly already throws at the third highest rate in neutral game script. So we have a situation where coming off 16 targets last week, we can see him approach that target number again. The question is, do you want to pay up for that position and maybe not get that third running back on FanDuel, maybe not get the second one on DraftKings, maybe have to fade Michael Thomas on on uh, at your wide receiver position. Probably not what I'm willing to do, but uh, definitely has to be in your core, especially if you're playing multiple cash game lineups. Yep, no doubt about it. So you've got, uh, again, Ertz, who has just been tremendous, and Olsen, who uh, is right up there. I mean, it's Kelsey and Ertz kind of one and one A, or just one and mm-hmm. one. That's it. And Olsen's quickly creeping up there, and you don't have you don't have Kelsey on the slate this week. So there you go. Um, defense, the Cardinals again, the Saints uh, at home. So let's talk about those two plays, and I'll, I'll just throw in my other, my other team there is the Washington Redskins, who defensively have been – uh, really a train wreck the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but they especially ho- their secondary, especially their secondary, but they are hosting a Houston team that has had major trouble protecting their quarterback Deshaun Watson. I mean, I have no doubt that Houston could put up some points there, but if, if sacks are the one thing that you can count on game in and game yeah. out, I feel like the Redskins at least have a little bit of a floor there. I've been back and forth on that one. I actually, I actually kind of like both of those defenses and I, 
I can't decide who I like more. The the interesting thing about the the Texans is they are really bad at protecting Watson, but his efficiency has actually skyrocketed over over the past five or six weeks. But if this while that efficiency has went up, uh, I I think. There, I think there's a lot of things that factored in. I, I think he got hurt. Um, I, I, I think they've been trying to protect him a little bit and maybe slow the game down. They, they've been down receivers. Uh, Kiki Kute and obviously Will Fuller have, have been hurt. Uh, Will Fuller on IR. Demarius Thomas just getting acclimated to the offense. Only one game there. So uh, Watson really hasn't had anyone to throw to. They've been running at an extremely high rate lately. So that's the one thing that concerns me. If they keep running at that high rate, are they, they the Redskins, going to have the opportunities to get after Watson as much as some of these other teams have? That's a good point. I mean, listen, um, Watson had three straight games where he had 40-plus attempts. Mm -hmm. And now he's had four straight games where he has not had more than 25 attempts. So you're right. I mean, you're right on with that. Watson, the, the offense has kind of changed there. Lamar Miller had back-to-back 100-yard games. Then that didn't happen, and Alfred Blue's out there. But um, that is a game that I'm looking at, both yeah. those defenses as well. It's just that Washington, Washington's so much cheaper. Yeah, and they, they might have figured some things out last week because they were um, – I mean, they still gave up they, – they were kind of bend but don't break last week. I guess if, if Fitzpatrick punches any of those – I mean, he still threw for 400 yards, but also – uh, it was kind of out of necessity. So they didn't give up a passing touchdown last week. They forced some turnovers. And this was a very, not very, a, a pretty strong defense to start the year. And then kind of from weeks like, I guess it was weeks five through seven, it got a little ugly. Uh, but maybe they figured something out last week. But it's it's pretty hard to tell against Fitzpatrick turning the ball over so much. All right, and then we got the Cardinals, 4K FanDuel, 3,100 DraftKings. Why play them? Because they're playing Oakland. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Saints, who are 3,300 on FanDuel, 2,100 on DraftKings, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. I really like this game to go over the 54 yeah. and a half. Um, mm-hmm. What do you like about the Saints at home in this one? Well, we we don't need a defense to be good in real life or to hold a a team to not a lot of points to be a good fantasy defense. Uh, you You talked about it just now with with Redskins and Texans if you are in a situation where a team can have a chance to get after the quarterback that's going to result in some fantasy points and uh we've seen it with the the Browns earlier this year I think the Chiefs did it uh this year as well uh I think back to the Chargers last year these defenses that are near the top of weekly defensive rankings in terms of fantasy points that allow 30 plus points and the Saints they're they're at home they're nine point favorites against I, I just talked about it with Ertz this is a offense that throws at one of the highest rates of neutral game script put them in a situation where they're nine point underdogs they're gonna have to throw even more often and their offensive line hasn't been very good uh, they they rank near the bottom in terms of adjusted sack rate now Wentz is pretty mobile so maybe they don't give up as many sacks as some of these other teams like uh, like the Texans or the Cowboys but a lot of opportunities here and you're saving a ton of money the saints are only 3300 on fanduel they're only 2100 on DraftKings. so you're getting a home favorite not just a favorite the biggest favorite of the week at a big discount and yeah they're not good but they could score you some fantasy points especially if one of those those great game scripts that's where we 
you, you can't predict defensive touchdowns. At least that's the same. When teams are up by double digits, that's where we see those defensive touchdowns. When they know they can pin their ears back, get after the quarterback, that leads to those strip sack fumble recoveries, those uh, those hit the quarterback, turn into pick sixes because the defense knows it's coming. The offense doesn't have any other option. All right, so there you go. That's our uh, cash and GPP picks that we got going on right there for week number 11, DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, also, want to remind everybody that we have partnered with DraftKings to bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. Go to 4 for backslash DraftKings. Follow the instructions. You'll get our most accurate rankings. You get our lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, all for 5 bucks, which you can enter into contests, potentially win even more. So go to 4 for backslash DraftKings and go from there. And again, we got our $3,000 winner-take-all DraftKings contest today. Hit us up on our Twitter page at 4for4football. Uh, we got a link there in the pinned tweet. And uh, go sign up and play against us. It'll be a lot of fun. So you hit me up and you say, hey, man, I got an idea. I want to talk about something, some trends that I'm starting to dig up. And I said, that's a great idea because I was looking at Andrew Luck and his pass attempts have gone down significantly during the last I don't know, month or so, I'd say. And his efficiency has been so good. He's still throwing mm-hmm. three or four touchdowns yeah. every single game. And I know you've got a lot of different things like this that are popping up. And we can obviously use these trends to try and build our lineups here in DFS. Not even, just And just fantasy football in general and some of these things we're going to talk about they might not pertain to this week's main slate uh, they might not even pertain to this week but getting out ahead of these things this is how you end up on on a nick chubb last week uh in, in a good matchup and, and winning a gpp or how you end up on a mitch trubisky uh so many times you see these plays in in gpps and and the knee-jerk reaction or or the the ignorant reaction, not not pejorative, but there's lack of knowledge reaction is how do you ever even end up on a guy like that? And and the reason is because you pay attention to what's changing in the NFL and there aren't a there aren't a lot of opportunities to gain an information edge anymore because whether you're subscribing to four for four or a different website or even just looking at a free website, a lot of the data is going to be very similar. But one thing that is pretty consistent, no matter where you go, at least from what I've seen is that when you're any stat that you're getting is you're maybe getting last week, but you're almost always getting season long numbers. And those can be really misleading because like I said, teams come out of the bye and they change things or a player gets hurt or a defense is really struggling like Detroit, who we talked about their efficiency has been really low, but they haven't seen high volume. So this is one of those small areas where maybe, just maybe, we can get an edge in NFL, which is so hard to get an information edge in, just looking at these windows instead of looking at season-long numbers. So let's look at these four- to six-week windows now, huh? On the team level, uh, some recent trends that really stuck out to you on the team level here. Let's start, yeah. with, the, uh, well, let, let's start with the Saints, huh? Getting Ingram back. How's that change things? Yeah, well, so there's a handful of teams that, and I'm looking at the the neutral passing rate of these teams on the team level. So uh, when the games are within one score, that that gives us a a pretty good amount of information of what they really want to do because those one-score neutral game script rates, uh, they're not subject to game script. Uh, Obviously, teams getting blown out, they're going to throw more. A team is winning by a lot, they're going to pass more. So when it's close, what are they doing? New Orleans, they, they got 
Mark Ingram back, and they went from one of the most pass-heavy teams in neutral game script uh, over 61% of the time to below 55% in the last five weeks. These splits are first five weeks for the first to last five weeks. But with New Orleans, uh, this isn't one that, that I think that is um, – it's not going to be detrimental to somebody like Drew Brees, but it could be uh, it, it could be misleading to somebody that's that might only look at these recent run splits and think maybe uh, maybe they're not worth it if they're not in a super high scoring game. Not noticing something like what we'll get to shortly, the player efficiency. So the two things I'm doing and what we're kind of going to focus on here for the next couple minutes is combining these shifts in volume with at least with our quarterbacks, how is their efficiency balancing out? So how is it balancing out here? I mean, we've got um, the player level. You want to go to the player level or the QB efficiency allowed? Yeah, well, let, let's talk about some of these other guys because the, the Saints are, are one that we'll get to shortly. But uh, I want to use Detroit as, as an example um, of somebody that is, is forcing a situation that – might go a little bit unnoticed just because the the production hasn't been there yet. They've been forcing the run so much that they're now over the past five weeks after starting off as a very pass heavy team, uh, traded Golden Tate. They're running at a, a top five rate in in neutral game script and really forcing the ball to carry on Johnson even when situations don't allow for it. Something similar has happened with the Colts. All of a sudden, they have Marlon Mack who uh, who has been very good for the Colts who actually have had a very good run blocking line all season. They've seen a similar shift as well. And the Colts are especially interesting because if we look at the first five weeks of the season, the most pass heavy team in neutral game script in the league. If we look at the past five weeks, bottom 10 in pass rate and neutral game script, but they were so pass heavy early in the year that if you look at their season long numbers, they still rank pretty high in their passing rate. And that's why we want to break this up because now we could see these trends uh, taking shape. And then on, on the other end of it, New Orleans, Detroit, Indianapolis running more, the chargers we kind of talked about already, they were running at an extremely high rate over the first five weeks of the season, 50% of the time in neutral game script. And they're another team. It's a little dangerous. If you look at their season long numbers, it's still skewed towards the run, but recent trends show us that they've actually been throwing at a top 10 rate in neutral game script. And then there's some teams that are just uh, getting shredded by mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Yeah. You have quarterback efficiency allowed here. And again, we keep going back to Detroit. We keep going back to Oakland. Yeah. And listen, Atlanta's just getting shredded by the QBs, yep. by the wideouts, by the everybody, by the running backs. We talk, bring up Nick Chubb again. He just crushed Atlanta last week. But here's the other team that kind of popped up here, Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami had a decent defense to start the year, but they're just getting shredded now, huh? Yeah, well, they're not getting shredded in, in raw overall numbers because they really haven't faced that many pass attempts. I think they're middle of the pack in terms of, of pass attempts. Uh, let me see. They are they're 17th in, in pass attempts faced. Uh, but again, I'm just looking at these past six weeks. They rank in the bottom five of fantasy points per attempt allowed. And that efficiency is what's going to be very sticky for these passing numbers. And I want to go back to the Detroit example because... Again, Detroit was a team that wasn't facing a lot of pass attempts. They still aren't facing that many pass attempts. But by recognizing that they were very inefficient through the air, when they did face a team that was able 
to throw the ball or at least willing to throw the ball, we saw them blow up. We saw Mitch Trubisky last week. We saw Russell Wilson two weeks ago. Two quarterbacks that probably aren't on your radar, at least at the top of your list of guys that you want to play, but guys that throw for three-plus touchdowns against inefficient defense. Again, Oakland, Detroit, the Rams, the Falcons, uh, no, everybody knows that those are, are, are pretty bad fantasy uh i'm sorry defenses against the pass but miami they're really interesting because if we just look at their fantasy points per game they rank 23rd uh at, in in terms of fantasy points allowed uh in the good way so they've allowed the the 23rd most fantasy points per game to quarterback but they've been allowing a very high fantasy points per pass tip number so they might be a defense to start thinking about when they come back off the bye mm. All right, let's go to the player level now and quarterback efficiency. I'll go back to Andrew Luck. Um, last month or so, he's been terrific. Russell Wilson, we also see yeah. uh, starting to break out of his funk. He hasn't run as much this year, but he his play has been very mm-hmm. efficient. Your boy Rivers, of course. I mean, Phil is he's still the only quarterback to throw multiple touchdown passes every week, right? Yep, yep, still the only one. He had two last week against Oakland, uh, one of the highest floors, and – I, I like him because his uh, we you talk about luck you talk about breeze their their uptick in efficiency has coincided with kind of a drop in in volume so they've held steady despite a drop in volume rivers is super interesting because his efficiency is up and his team is willing to throw the ball more we've already talked about that with keenan allen so he hasn't had that game where he's really popped yet and he's not generally a ceiling quarterback but given all these factors and and given the division he's in and probably in some high scoring games leading up to uh, leading up to the playoffs I could see Rivers at the top of of some uh, some leaderboards very soon, and Russell Wilson's interesting because he had he had that nice game against uh, Detroit. I, I think he threw for for three touchdowns again uh, last week, and he, his numbers are crazy because he ranks twenty six in pass attempts this year. He's tied for fourth in passing touchdowns, but this offense is just they're they're so hell bent on running the ball and they won't let Wilson throw 35 times if that happens or they get in a situation where they have to throw Wilson is going to explode and he's already been uh near the top of the leaderboard in some contests uh but we situation like this where he had a three touchdown game a couple good games in a row now all of a sudden he's not on the main slate so I think maybe people forget about it a little bit uh come back follow that efficiency He's he's going to surprise some people down the stretch. It sounds like Doug Baldwin all of a sudden is healthy. They, I saw a report that this week was the first time all year that he didn't wake up without pain. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was Stefania Bell that was just talking about the intricacies of that injury. So we might see this offense, uh, this passing offense, be at least a, a, a little better or at least a little more aggressive than what we've seen so far this year. Good luck on that run game, by the way. Good luck figuring out the guy that's going to get it. They're saying it's Chris Carson. Man, I was I was sitting there listening to Pete Carroll's press conference, going, "Are you kidding me?" There's if you think that you know which back is going to get the most touches on a week to week basis, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because I don't know if Pete Carroll even knows going into a game, if more touches at this point hopefully maybe we saw them turn a leaf for these last six weeks of the season. Russell Wilson rushed for 92 yards last week. So maybe he's, maybe he's the lead rusher again. Maybe we start seeing those tournament winning games because he has rushing upside. Hopefully Uh, real quick, just because we didn't bring up breeze yet. Mm -hmm. You know how many touchdown passes you have 21. How many interceptions has he thrown this year? Is it one or zero? 
21 touchdowns, one interception. This is <laughs> it's did, ridiculous. When did Brady Brady had like what a 50 to three season? Like, I'm gonna have to go look that up now. But Drew Brees, you want to talk about efficiency? He's thrown for 2,600 yards, 21 yeah. touchdowns, and one interception. This guy is in the midst of possibly his best season yet. Believe it or not, I mean he he's probably he's on pace to get to the 5,000 yard mark. And while you're at it, throw 40 touchdowns and a couple of picks. It's amazing what this guy has done. And one thing I've been looking at a lot this year with with the quarterbacks, and and it's it's got me on guys like Trubisky, um, is is their their market share of yards and team touchdowns. And I think a lot of people probably look at that, but I I don't think it's something we harp on enough. if we look at, at Breeze, he's middle of the pack. He accounts for two-thirds of, of the, the Saints' total offensive touchdowns, which isn't a huge number for a quarterback. But this offense produces so many touchdowns that he basically has a two-touchdown floor every week. All right, so real quick, I'm just looking at Brady's numbers. I'm going to throw this out there at you. He had a 28-2 to back in 2016, 28 touchdowns, two picks. That's impressive, but uh, right now Breeze would blow that away. He had the 50 touchdown season with eight interceptions in 07, and then had a year with 36 to four back in 2010. I mean, Drew Brees is right now uh, on a pace to maybe outdo all those. Yeah, he can easily have. A, I mean, if he keeps up this pace, he can have a, a 10 to one touchdown interception ratio. And they're running a little bit more, right? And then yeah, that yeah, that's back. yep. But uh, but like I said, there's they're scoring so many points that his touchdown equity is as high as anybody's each week. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, let's look at the uh, let's look at the touch share and total touches now, mm-hmm. because there have been some running backs that have really seen their workload shoot up, and they're taking advantage of it. Nick Chubb is is the most obvious one because he had a big game last week. He's accounted for forty four percent of the Browns' touches over the last month. That's that's top seven in the league in that time span. That's a higher touch share than Todd Gurley or Kareem Hunt. Now, he's not seeing more volume than those guys. He doesn't have higher scoring equity than those guys because they're in better offenses. But if you have a player that is getting that big of a of a touch share in an offense, you you have to follow the volume. So Nick Chubb is it's so easy to look at a team and say the Browns aren't good. Chubb isn't going to score. I'm not playing this guy. That touch shares through the roof. And if you were following that last week, then you might have been one of those 8% of people that rostered him on DraftKings and had a chance to win a million dollars. And now all of a sudden there's a small handful of guys that haven't been doing well in, in the fantasy column, but we're seeing that volume uptick over the last month. Yep, and then we saw Kareem Hunt first couple of weeks, not too much. Boom, mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt's gone through the roof. Um, nobody wants to look at what the Raiders are doing, but Doug Martin is starting to touch the ball a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And then there's the young guys, uh, Kerryon Johnson and Philip Lindsay, who yeah. I think, you know, Freeman, he got in a limited practice again. We're here on the after the Wednesday practices, heading into Thursday here. Freeman could be back to eat into Philip Lindsay's uh, touch share a little bit against the Chargers, but Johnson, Lindsay, uh, these are a couple more young guys that are starting to see their roles expand. And it's I don't know if it's it's a trend that's going to continue, but we've seen in the last couple weeks uh, the chalk hasn't been hitting at running back. These guys are seeing a little bit of regression, not blowing the field away on DraftKings. 
the winning millionaire lineup had three running backs priced under $6,000, which is completely contrary to what we just talked about a couple of weeks ago in terms of trends and winning lineups. So if you're looking for the next Nick Chubb or Aaron Jones, if there even is going to be another one this year, there's a few guys that popped up. Marlon Mack and Deion Lewis, top 10 in touches per game over the last month. on Johnson and Philip Lindsay. Their touches per game are basically on par with what you're getting out of Christian McCaffrey. Obviously not as good as players or not as good of an offense, but if they get in a good spot, they're seeing pretty high touch shares. And then Doug Martin, the Oakland is a dumpster fire, but Doug Martin's seen 36% of their touches over the last month. Uh, that's really high. That's top 15 in the league in that span. That's a touch share that not that many running backs are going to see. So if... If you have the guts and you find Doug Martin in a good spot, which you can argue he is this week, you can make an argument that he's worth a dart throw, even if it's in like two out of 150 lineups. And then look at the receivers and the guys mm-hmm. who've had their target share just skyrocket. I mean, yeah. didn't we, we already know Keenan Allen is yep. just going to get a ton of target share, right? He's over 30%. 30% over the last over the last 4 weeks which is up from early in the year. He was he was a, a little bit lower than what we've seen from Allen, but but again, we talked about him earlier, uh top 4 in terms of of targets over the last week. This probably isn't a surprise anymore since the 49ers were just on Monday Night Football. Uh but George Kittle's 27% target share over the last month is ninth overall and second among tight ends behind only Zach Ertz. Uh so that's a guy that's that's been coming on strong all year and is just as he gains steam he just continues to to dominate that uh that passing attack in san francisco yeah um i'm also seeing let's see here at, at the wide receiver position or even tight end too mm-hmm. because we're going with uh zach Ertz, george kittle i mean yeah. we know that uh that mullins loves him bethard love him but kittle really really uh has has gone to the next level of Mullins over these last two games so a tight end position you can't go wrong with George Kittle he's a top five he's a top five option in season long and depending on the matchup I mean George Kittle is going to be a viable option every week you say dumpster fire at tight end well here's a guy that it's actually emerged Mm -hmm. from the fire and become a legit option yeah so it's going to be interesting to see uh how fantasy owners react to to his recent uptick in volume uh see what happens when when he's back on the main slate uh, sticking at non-wide receiver positions, James White was not good against Tennessee last week, but uh, he leads all running backs over the last month with 25% of team targets. So that's a guy that's really popped lately that hasn't had the fantasy production, at least last week, uh, and, and now on a bye this week that might be flying under the radar. Another guy that's on a bye this week that people might not be paying attention to over the last month, 16 players have a 25% target share. 15 of those players, you probably can guess. The 16th one is Danny Amendola. So that's something to think about coming in, uh, coming off there by. Him and Osweiler have had a nice little connection. If Tannehill comes back, I wonder how that it, uh, is going to affect that. Mm-hmm. You got yeah. uh, Corey Davis. I did not know that and, until you wrote this up that he led the league in target share inside the 10. What is that over the last four games? That's over the season. So, yes. So these, again, it's, and, and this is where you have to, uh, you have to be careful in, in, in how you're observing your data, not just blindly following a a window, because we also have to think about sample size. So like with these quarterbacks or these teams over five weeks, we get a good sample size of these trends when it comes to something like red zone volume or, or targets inside the 10, 
we don't have a, even over the course of an entire season we don't have reliable uh sample size so Corey davis leads the league in target share inside the 10 yard line just tennessee hasn't been inside the 10 that often they haven't they haven't thrown that much inside the 10 but if we get a situation where we expect tennessee to score more he's a guy that can really pop and then this one is probably going to make everybody pull their headphones out and want to stop listening to me forever but zay jones is top three in the league (laughs) in in target share inside the 10 yard line and that's that's most likely a lot of variance because Buffalo just is never there, but it's, it's at least worth noting looking at these things because I, I talked about a couple of minutes ago at the, the intro of this segment, people say, how do you get on these plays? It seems like the dumbest thing ever. Who would ever play Zay Jones if he ends up in a winning millionaire lineup? Well, this is how you get on those kind of plays. If for some reason Buffalo in the next four or five weeks finds himself in a spot with an inflated point total and you're looking for a pass catcher that's very cheap zay jones is top three in the league and target share inside the 10 yard line and hypothetically you might end up playing him against one of these teams that we mentioned that's been allowing very very high passing efficiency maybe they get those three of those matchups in the last five weeks i don't know you might want to check it out uh, real quick, I want to go back to Corey Davis for a second because this will be interesting to th- to see if Mariota's healthy enough to throw the ball downfield because yeah. the Titans have only thrown 24 passes 20 yards or more down the field, and that's the second mm-hmm. fewest in the NFL. Only Cam Newton's thrown less deep balls than Marcus Mariota at this point. So it, I, I he loves Corey Davis. What I would love to see is the Titans actually get vertical once in a while. That would be yeah. nice. For for sure. I mean, and and especially with how much volume Corey Davis has seen, if you could combine all those things, you can have you can have a monster down the stretch. By the way, Baker Mayfield has attempted the most passes twenty twenty or more yards down the field. Unfortunately, he's only connecting at about a thirty percent clip. But at least they're trying, right? At least they're yeah. trying. But you you take you take something like that's another like you look at those trends and if you find a matchup down the stretch where he's facing a team that is is very bad at defending the deep ball, all of a sudden you have something that that is a little bit under the radar that people probably aren't implementing into their core plays. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, buddy, we got the DFS MVP promo, twenty five percent off. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you uh, get in on our $3,000 winner-take-all free DraftKings contest. Again, that's a pinned tweet on 4 for 4 Football on Twitter. And uh, if you if you want to rep 4 for 4 you can enter your name into a weekly contest to win a free T-shirt. All you have to do, go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review, and you will be entered into that contest. If you like what we're having to say and you want to hear more of it, you can check us out on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at TG Hernandez. Holden is at Holden Radio. We'll talk to you guys next week. If you know you live from the club to the parking lot, how many chicks can you fit in that ride? Put them up, homie.